This is the podcast for RUF at the University of Texas. A community for students to experience God's grace and express God's grace to others. For more information, visit www.ruf.org UT. Or find us on Instagram at TexasRUF. I forgot. All right, we're back. Uh, hey, y'all, my name is Jordan, and uh, no matter who you are or what you believe or what you've done, I want to welcome you and know that you're very much welcome tonight at RUF. So what is RUF? Well, RUF is a community of students that is learning to love. We're learning how to love God. We're learning how to love one another. And ultimately, we're learning how to love our neighbors in the university because we believe that God has first loved us. And so this is what we do. We gather in this room on Wednesday nights, we gather in small groups throughout the week, and we gather one-on-one for lunch or for coffee or to go on walks together to play golf together or whatever it might be in order to remind one another of God's love for us, in order that we might first rest in His love and hopefully in time come to more and more reflect His love out into the world. And so that is why we're spending an entire semester on our sermon series, Learning to Love, because that's like our thing. We're trying to learn to love. And so each and every Wednesday night, we're asking, how do I love? And how do I become a better lover in all the different relationships that God has placed me in? And tonight, we're asking this. How do I love as someone who is single? Which means all of you. (laughs) Because uh, even as you'll see in Paul tonight, uh, for Paul, he only knows two types of people when it comes to relationships. People who are married and people who are unmarried. And so, uh, as far as I know, the only two people in this room that are married are me and Peyton. Uh, We're not married to each other, just to be clear, but we are both married. Um, We're the only ones. And that means, again, whether you're, you're dating anyone or not, whether you've been dating someone for four years, six years, whatever, you are not married. You are single, too. So everyone in this room besides me and Peyton are single. Okay. Uh, So let's look at singleness now. Three points on singleness tonight. First of all, the burden of singleness. Second, the blessing of singleness. And then finally, Paul's bigger point. So the burden of singleness, the blessing of singleness, and then the bigger point that Paul is making. First, the burden of singleness. So oftentimes when Christians um, talk about singleness, uh, they often rush to talking about the gift of singleness, right? And how it's just so great uh, having the gift of singleness, right? Uh, but it's important to name like that for many of us, I mean, singleness really is a burden. It is a burden. And why is that? Well, it's because uh, we were made like God and in the image of a relational God, and therefore we we're hardwired for relationships, And also, it's a burden because, like, life is really hard, and life is really lonely. And as we move through life, as we get older and older, we, like, really long, many of us, to do life with someone else, right? Um, Wesley Hill, who's a Christian theologian and pastor, uh, he is a man who is solely attracted to other men. And, but, and yet, because of his Christian beliefs, uh, he is committed to being single and to living a life of celibacy, which is to say he has vowed to himself to not marry another man or to have sex with another man. And so listen to how he describes the burden of his singleness. He says, the love of God is better than any human love. Yes, that is true. But that doesn't change the fact that I feel in the deepest parts of who I am that I'm wired for human love. 
I want to be married. And the longing isn't mainly for sex, since sex with a woman seems impossible at this point. It is mainly for the day-to-day, small kind of intimacy where you wake up next to a person you've pledged your life to, and then you brush your teeth together, you read a book in the same room without necessarily talking to each other, you share each other's small joys and heartaches. He's talking about these longings for these small intimacies, he calls them, which I really believe that is what all of us long for, right? These small intimacies of walking through life alongside another person and and brushing teeth and and reading books together without necessarily talking. And he's saying, I will never experience this. And that is a burden. So singleness is a burden because, again, we were made in the image of God We're made in the image of a relational God, and therefore we too are hardwired, as Wes Hill says, for relationships. So to be alone or not be in a relationship feels like a burden. But there's also this. There's also something else that makes the burden of singleness even worse, and that is all of the lies. And there are so many lies about singleness. Lies that come from our culture, lies that come from the church. Uh, First, People in our culture often tell us that being single, that single people are like somehow second-class citizens, right? Uh, And that romantic love and and having a romantic partner is like the end-all, be-all of human existence. We talked about this before. Years ago, philosophers uh, predicted that as belief in God sort of receded from society, we would replace God with romantic love. That, that without God, our world would feel so empty and so, so hollow and so deprived of meaning that we would reach and grasp for the only thing that still felt holy, and that's another person. As one philosopher says, in the old days, people said God is love, but today people say love is God, that romantic love is God. And I mean, honestly, again, Christians in the church have fallen into this trap perhaps worse than anyone. Uh, we act like being married will solve all of our problems and will solve all of our loneliness, and it does not do that. Even people in very deep and wonderful marriages are lonely. That's part of the deal, right? Um, I remember when I was single, I, I thought of my married friends as somehow like fuller and better and deeper than me. Like I believed that. I believed that like they had some access to God and were able to be Christian in this way that I wasn't fully able to be Christian. And that was a lie. So we too in the church, I mean, we idolize marriage and we idolize sex and we idolize romantic love. And again, imagine the single life to be somehow second class. And so then on top of that, we then hear all these kind of lies about why we are single right? And some of you have, you have been told these lies or you have told yourself these lies. Okay, so let's try this one. Have you ever heard someone say, maybe your mom, dance with God and the right guy will jump in? Have you ever heard someone say that? It's a terrible thing to say. I heard people say that growing up in Memphis, Tennessee. Some of my Memphis people, like some of you, or something similar to that. The idea again being, if you'll just get your relationship right with God, then he will bless you and send this like smoking hot dude into your life, right? Like, like as if, as if God's blessings ever depended on our performance, <laughs> as if we could ever earn God's blessing. Hopefully you've been around RUF to know that that is not how it works. Or maybe you've heard this. 
from someone or you've heard it from yourself. Uh, the reason you're single or you're not in a relationship right now is because you're too picky. I know that you have heard that. And again, it's a lie. As if we are somehow able to block God's plans for our life. If you think you're able to do that, go read the book of Jonah. Jonah does everything he can to get outside of God's will, and God gets him where he wants him to be. So you cannot earn God's blessing, and you cannot block his blessing. And if he wants you to be married, you'll be married. So we want to be in a relationship, but we're not. We assume it's all our fault because people have lied to us, okay? And so then all of these lies, the lie that romantic love is everything, the lie that marriage will solve all of our problems and all of our loneliness, the lie that we are single because of our sin, it all makes being single feel intolerable as we get older. Now, I know that some of you tonight are like, I'm single and I'm, I'm good. <laughs> like, I don't really long for it that much. Um, but the day will come when you will. And, and some of you actually desperately do probably like long to be in a relationship of some sort right now, okay? And I really just do want you to know that that's okay, <laughs> okay? Uh, I'm not gonna shame you for wanting to be with another person. Like, that's good. It's a good desire. Life's hard. It's lonely. It's okay to want the small intimacies that West Hill describes. That's point one. Let's look at point two now, which is the blessing of singleness. Because we're now ready to see the ways in which Paul, here in 1 Corinthians, talks about singleness as a blessing. And he does. I mean, it begins in verse 7. What does he say? He says, I wish that all were as I myself am. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. And Paul here, he, he's saying that every person in every station of life has gifts and blessings from God. And for some, that includes singleness. Uh, I mean, Paul, he's saying, look, I'm not married, and it's like pretty nice. And so what then is the blessing of singleness? Well, the answer is freedom. The blessing of, the blessing of singleness for Paul is freedom. To be single, he says, is to be free. And we see this starting in verse 27. What does he say? He says, are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. I mean, he is describing those who are unmarried as free. And so free from what? Well, Paul tells us. What does he say? He says, look at the second half of verse 28. He says, those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I would spare you that. And then in verse 32, he uses a very similar phrase. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties, worldly troubles, anxieties. He's saying, look, every husband that's married to a woman is going to be anxious about how to please his wife. He's going to be anxious about uh, how to provide money for his wife, how to put food on the table, shelter, clothing. And then every wife then is going to be anxious for how to please her husband. And so singleness is a blessing because you're free from these anxieties. You don't have to think about them. And some of you talk like this, actually, uh, when you break up with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Uh, we'll sit down together for lunch at Cabo Bob's, and maybe you've been dating someone for a while. So, um, you know, as we sit there and eat, I'll say, like, how are you and so-and-so doing? And you'll be like, oh, we broke up. And I'll be like, oh, nice. Uh, like, how's that been? And you'll be like, it's been great. Uh, like, uh, it's been amazing. I don't have to text her anymore. 
I don't have to snap her like every second of every day. I don't have to get her anything for Valentine's. Um, I can go to whoever I want with the formals. I don't have to obsess over being like a good girlfriend or a good boyfriend or whatever. And that is basically what Paul is saying. He's saying like, you're free. Enjoy it, right? But notice that Paul doesn't say singleness means you're free to just live for yourself. And this is important. I mean, he doesn't say, guys, uh, if you're a guy uh, and you're single, then you're free to just like rot in your parents' basement until you're 35 and play Madden with the boys. Like, that's not the deal, right? Or if you're a girl, uh, he doesn't say, you know, you're free, you're single to go like shopping or doing manis and petties or like go to like Morocco or something, right? I don't know where you would go. <laughs> Morocco is what came to my head. People go to Morocco. It's like, what's the city in Morocco that's trendy? I've seen y'all go there and take pictures. Anyway, um, is there a better city? What should I have chosen? I don't know. Uh, he says, no, um, your freedom has a purpose. You're not just free from something, but you're free for something else. He's saying you're not just free from something, but you're free for something else. He's saying if you're single... You have different anxieties, and you have different focuses. And we see this in verse 32. He says, the unmarried man is anxious, still anxious, but about the things of the Lord and how to please the Lord. And he says, look in verse 34, skip down. He says, and the unmarried or betrothed, which is another word for engaged, the unmarried or engaged woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. And then notice how he ends verse 35. He says, I say all of this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord, to the Lord, to the Lord, to the Lord. The blessing of singleness, Paul is saying, is that yes, we are free from worldly anxieties, but we're freed for service and devotion to the Lord. Again, it's kind of like when you break up with a guy or girl you're dating, right? I mean, because sometimes then your friends secretly or maybe not so secretly are like kind of happy because you're back, right? You're back. I mean, you know, you'd spent all those months, all that time with her. Uh, and now, you know, you never had any time for the boys and you were always ghosting and sort of bailing on them last minute, but now you're back, right? And so Paul is saying, uh, when you're single, you're free, but you're free to be with God, you just have more time. You have more time to be with him. You have more time to pray. You have more time to read the Bible. You have more time to serve your neighbors. You have more time to serve the poor. You have more time to read books. You have more time to think about how your studies or your work or whatever your calling or your vocation is at that time to see how it all connects to God. Your devotion, Paul says, is undivided, or at least it should be. And so if you're single, and again, all of you are, Paul is saying, enjoy it. Like, enjoy it. I mean, there are all these things you don't have to worry about. Again, you don't have to worry about Valentine's Day. You don't have to worry about like New Year's Eve and whether you are going to kiss or not. You don't have to bail on the hunting trip or the tea time. Like, you don't have to bail on your friend's birthday dinner because you have a date. You don't have to change diapers yet. You don't have to pay for private school yet. You don't have to drive your kids to soccer practice. Like you do not have to worry about any of these things. And so enjoy it, but don't abuse it, right? I mean, don't be selfish. Uh, if you don't want to serve a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a spouse, that's fine. But you must serve the Lord. You can't just serve yourself. 
That's what Paul's saying. And so we have to ask ourselves, as a single person, am I anxious for the things of the Lord? Like, the Lord doesn't have any of our undivided devotion, but does he even have any of it? Like, am I using, again, my freedom well? Am I pouring into my relationships? Am I serving my friends? Am I praying? Am I going to church and taking communion? Like, what am I doing with my singleness? That's the question to ask. The blessing is that you're free. So what are you doing with your freedom? Okay, so let's now look at Paul's bigger point, point three, Paul's bigger point. What's the bigger point he's trying to make here? Because it is important to see that Paul's instructions to the people, the church here in in Corinth, he doesn't just address single people, right? He addresses the circumcised and the uncircumcised. He addresses slaves and free, married and unmarried. And so here's his bigger argument to all of them in the church. Be where you are. He's saying, be where you are. Just be where you are. And we see this in verse 17. He says, only let each person, not just single people, each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule, he says, in all the churches, with all the people. And so then that's again why he's going on to list all these different kinds of people in verse 18 and 19. Circumcised, uncircumcised. He says, it doesn't even matter. Neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. He's saying, married, unmarried, circumcised, uncircumcised, slave free. I don't really care. It doesn't really matter that much. I just want you to like follow Jesus and obey God. And so then look what he says in verse 24. So brothers and sisters, in whatever condition each was called, let there let him remain with God. And so Paul is saying, do not seek, right? Like do not seek, do not grasp, do not seek to become what you are not. Do not always be trying to like move things around, shuffle things around, get to the next place, but instead remain. Just remain with God. Stay with God. Enjoy Him. Enjoy where you are right now. Because right now, that is where God wants you to be. That's what he's saying to everyone. And in the old days, Christians called this stability. That was the word, stability. And it was something Christians took really seriously, stability. I mean, monks, when they entered the monastery, they would often take a vow to stability. And again, the vow was, I'm not going to leave. Like, this is where I am. These are the people that I'm with. And that is so countercultural, right? I mean, none of us do this. If anything, we take vows to instability. We say, I will never stay anywhere too long especially if I'm not happy. And so we move from one major to another major. We move from one job to another job. We move from one church to another church. We move from one campus ministry to another campus ministry. We move from one city to another city. We move from one spouse to another spouse. Uh, We're like LeBron. We never stay on one team too long, right? We're always moving around two or three years, next team, next place, next city, especially if we aren't happy there. We can't fathom a world in which God would actually want us to be in a place where we're not 100% happy. That's why Wesley Hill, who we talked about earlier, 
it doesn't compute. Like, how can this man that has these desires, but he's not going to give in to them, how could he be happy? He's not going to be fulfilled. He's like, this is where God has called me. That's the deal. It's not about my happiness, right? So we think if I'm not happy, there's no way God could possibly want this station of my life for me. And Paul is saying, no, just remain where you are. Happy or not happy, content or not content, stay. Bloom where you're planted, remain with God. And I hope one of the things you see is that Paul really is sort of taking a lot of the air out of the balloon. Because sometimes in this question of single or married, it can feel like there's a lot of pressure and a lot of the air in the balloon. And Paul is sort of relativizing it all. And he's like, are you single? Okay. Are you married? Okay. Either way, please the Lord, be with Jesus. That's what he's saying. But this is really hard. <laughs> okay. Contentment, stability, blooming where you're planted. It's really, really hard. And in order to do it, here's what we have to believe. We have to believe that God is good. That he's actually good. I mean, we have to believe that God is very, 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 very good to us all the time. All the time. And that therefore, because God is good, wherever we are in our life right now is good. Because God is good. And it's where he wants us to be. And it's where he has us. There's a woman named Paige Benton Brown. She was an REF intern, and then she was an REF campus staff person uh, at, uh, at Vanderbilt University. The, the, what's the thing? Okay. Um, the thing, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why this is coming up, right? But they talk about every school in Texas has these little things, but they don't do that. And a lot, like the TCU's got the thing. In Texas, we're really big on like the the different hand signals. Anyway, like at Ole Miss, we didn't have, like, we didn't do anything. We just said hi tie. Anyway. Okay. Paige Mint Brown. Um, wow. That was the biggest digression ever <laughs> in the history of mine. Uh, Paige Mint Brown, she wrote, she wrote this article uh, a number of years ago about singleness. And at the time, she was probably like 25, 26, 27. She's kind of the first stage of her life where she like feels single, you know, and like, the old ladies at church are starting to like ask her, like, when are you going to find a man, like, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, here's what she writes on singleness. Uh, it's really lovely. I want you all to hear this. She says, I want to be married. I pray to that end every day. I may meet someone and walk down, down the aisle in the next couple of years because God is so good to me. Or I may never have another date and die an old maid at 93 because God is so good to me. And now listen to this. She says, can God be any less good to me on the average Tuesday morning than he was on that monumental Friday afternoon when he hung on a cross in my place? The answer is a resounding no. God will not be less good to me tomorrow either because God cannot be less good to me. And why not? Why can God not be any less good to her or to us? Because his goodness is, a, is not a disposition or a mood, but it's the very essence of his person. 
It is not an attitude, but an attribute. God is good. That's how we learn contentment and stability. Okay, so let's close. Uh, And I want to close by asking, again, kind of some practical ideas. How do we love one another as single people? Okay, which we all are. First, we need to remind one another uh, of the words we just heard. That God is very, 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 very good. Today, tomorrow, it's impossible for him to be any less good to you than he was when Jesus hung on the cross. We need to tell one another that story. But second, uh, we need to encourage one another to use the, f- the freedom of our singleness well. To use the freedom of our singleness well. We need to encourage one another to use our free time, our free headspace, our free energy to love. To not be selfish, but to love. Uh, to love God, but also to love our friends. I mean, just because you're not in a relationship does not mean that you're not in a lot of relationships, right? Including with a lot of people in this room. And so you have lots of friends. And so lean on one another, enjoy one another, comfort one another in this time that you have. Make vows to one another. Do things together. Be committed to one another. This is the time to do it, to go all in with your friendships while you're single and you have time and you're free. Here's the third thing. And this is a preview for next week where we're going to talk about dating. Um, remember that even if you're not, even if you are dating someone, you are still single. You are. And uh, so don't act like you're married because you're not. Uh, do not be filled with all these worldly anxieties that actually creep into dating too. Uh, in which we spend every minute of every day together. We feel like we need to be in constant communication. I'm like snapping and we're texting both at the same time. We're making all these promises to one another. I'm never going to leave you. Okay, then like put a ring on it if you're not leaving. Uh, so if you're not married, again, don't act married, right? If you're not married, don't act married. And that'll be kind of the point next week. Uh, friends, hear this. The goodness of God never fails. It never fails. Whatever station you find yourself in right now, Paul says God assigned it. He sent you there. He has good things for you tonight. He has good things for you the rest of the semester. And he has good things for you the rest of your life because that is just who he is. It's not an attitude. It's an attribute. He cannot be any less good to you than he was on Good Friday 2,000 years ago. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for the beauty of that truth that you are indeed good. Uh, We don't feel that. We don't believe it. We don't trust it. And so we move out into the world with all kinds of fears and anxieties uh, because it's hard to believe that you're good. Lord, I pray for my friends here that they would trust in you uh, in this single time in their life and that they would use their singleness to love, to love you and to love their friends. Lord, uh, if we're going to do these things, we're going to need a lot of help. So please send your Holy Spirit to help us. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen.